So I want you to understand the big picture, and now we're going to get into the details <coughs> where <coughs> it looks a little scary here. But So I'm going to just tell you what you need to know. There are really about three things you need to know, maybe four things. I sometimes add a fourth thing. But the three things you want to know is that these are these green structures are stationary complexes, okay, within the inner mitochondrial membrane. The yellow part is the inner mitochondrial membrane. These complexes are made up of many components, but primarily protein components and enzyme, at least one enzyme. So these are fixed in a fixed position in the membrane. Each of them, so the first thing you want to know is that these guys are made up of proteins, usually some prosthetic groups associated with the proteins, and they are stationary. So that's the first thing you want to know. <clears throat> the second important thing you want to know is that you want to understand the flow of electrons. First, you want to know in that part of that, you want to know where these electrons are coming from. The electrons, this think of this blue the part underneath as the matrix. Okay, you can write matrix if you want there. You can also write in that matrix NADH and FADH2. So, so the second important thing is you want to know the flow of electrons through the electron transport chain. So I'll go through it sort of kind of briefly here because we're going to cover it in more detail in the upcoming slides. But the first thing I want you to see is if you have NADH here in the matrix, it will have direct access to this first complex. Here it is, NADH. And don't take this figure literally, literally. Meaning, I mean, this NAD, this complex could be here, but it's part of the membrane, okay? So that means the NADH here has direct access to the complex. Complex one. The function of, of complex one is to oxidize NADH. So here's NADH. When you oxidize it, meaning remove the electrons from it, you get NAD plus. Where are these electrons going? They get are gained by this molecule, FMN, a type of prosthetic group, a flavine mononucleotide uh, is a prosthetic group that will gain the electrons, and that's why we call it FMNH2. Now, 
Now this prosthetic group is going to eventually donate its electron to another <clears throat> important electron acceptor called coenzyme Q. And then coenzyme Q has these electrons, so that's why you have the H's, coenzyme QH2. While I'm here, I just want to say this is a type of an electron acceptor donor that is mobile. So that's really the second important thing, or maybe the third important thing I want you to know, which is that it can, this, these four, the green, are stationary. This one is mobile. It can move around the membrane. And because of that, it's able to carry the electrons from one complex to the next. So the function of coenzyme QH2 is to carry the electrons from complex 1, let's say, to complex 3. Complex 3 now is going to oxidize, extract the electrons from coenzyme QH, and itself will get reduced, complex 3, complex 3, and it will actually donate these electrons to cytochrome C here. Cytochrome C is similar to coenzyme Q in that it is a mobile molecule, a mobile carrier. So it's able to move, <coughs> carry the electrons from complex 3 to complex 4. So cytochrome C gets oxidized, donates its electrons to complex 4, and at complex 4, these electrons are finally given to oxygen to form water. Okay, so you want to know the flow of the electrons. That's the first, that's an important thing. The second thing, you know, you want to know the difference between the stationary complexes and the mobile electron carriers. Third thing is going to be, always remember that the final acceptor is the oxygen at the end there near com by complex four. And the fourth thing is really what we're going to get into the detail here, is we want to focus on what's in each complex, okay? So each complex is going to have at least one enzyme and one or more prosthetic group and you want to think of these prosthetic groups as important carriers of electrons. They are physically involved in moving the electrons. So each of these complexes will have at least one enzyme, one or more prosthetic groups you want to know. And 
that's what we will cover here in the next several slides. Okay, so here's the first complex. The enzyme in the first complex is NADH dehydrogenase. So it's pretty self-evident. That means it's going to oxidize NADH and donate the electrons to FMN, then FMNH2, then and that does donate them to coenzyme Q. Okay? But let's move to complex two. Complex two has succinate dehydrogenase. You say you say maybe if you you're up to date on what we've covered, you say that sounds familiar. I say you're correct. Okay? <laughs> so that's the same enzyme in the TCA cycle. If you haven't heard of it before, then you're behind. <laughs> so that's the same enzyme in the TCA cycle. It's really part of the enzyme is in the membrane, but it is extended into the matrix. So it, it serves a function in the TCA cycle as well as in the electron transport chain. We'll talk about that in a minute, uh, uh, some more. Complex three has cytochrome C reductase, and complex four has cytochrome C oxidase. So these are, again, these are the green structures in the previous slide. They are stationary. They don't move. They're fixed. But between these different complexes, there are two mobile electron carriers, coenzyme Q and cytochrome C. Coenzyme Q works between complex one and three, carries electrons between complex one and three, or two and three. Whereas cytochrome C can carry electrons between complex three and four. So the second important component of all these complexes is what prosthetic group is there. So <clears throat> complex one has this FMN, which is really derived from riboflavin. Both of these are derived from riboflavin, so they're vitamin derivatives, FMN, FAD, are uh, respectively part of complex one and complex two. So they play a role in accepting and donating electrons to the next recipient. Complex three has a heme group, but it has a ferric heme group, Fe plus three, and complex four has a copper and a heme group, okay, as the prosthetic groups. So again, these are important in physically accepting the electrons, but remember that what catalyzes that exchange are usually the enzymes in these complexes. The prosthetic groups on their own can't do it. They need the respective enzymes in each of the complexes. <clears throat> okay, 
Complex uh, one, two, and three also contain a group of what is called iron sulfur proteins, and you see this kind of complex structure. Don't worry too much about that, except that these are important structures also playing a role in the electron uh, transport. Uh, this, is an, this is, for example, from a cysteine and NADH dehydrogenase forming this cube. And anyway, you don't need to memorize the structure or anything. Just know that these types of uh, structures exist in 1, 2, and 3. <clears throat> and they're important electron uh, transport vehicles. Okay. So I'm going to remind you now how we begin with electron transport chain and what we need. Like I said, you, got, you have to remember that the function of electron transport chain is to oxidize NADH or FADH2. Both of these, for the most part, again, underscore most part, are produced in the matrix. The electron transport chain is right adjacent to the matrix in the inner mitochondrial membrane. So they both have access directly to the electron transport complexes. And as a reminder, where is the NADH coming from? The NADH is coming from all the enzymes we covered uh, last week. Pyruvate dehydrogenase. Right there, malate dehydrogenase, alpha-ketoglutarate dehydrogenase, isocitrate dehydrogenase. In addition, fatty acid beta-oxidation produces NADH. So anytime you have a large amount of NADH in the matrix, it will be oxidized at complex one. Now, there is NADH that is produced from glyceraldehyde-3-phosphate dehydrogenase in glycolysis. We're going to treat that separately because that NADH is produced in the cytoplasm. Okay? So we have to manage it in a different way. So now we go to the other important Substrate. So I want you to always think that the substrate for complex 1 is NADH. Only NADH is oxidized at complex 1. The substrate for complex 2 is FADH2. Again, that's produced from succinate dehydrogenase in the TCA cycle and from fatty acid beta oxidation. So you have a lot of FADH2 in the matrix it will start being oxidized at complex 2. You cannot exchange that, okay? NADH always at complex 1, FADH2 always at complex 2. So that's what I mean by knowing the flow of electrons. So, 
if you have, if you start with NADH, <clears throat> let's say this NADH is produced by pyruvate dehydrogenase. It'll get oxidized at complex one. Complex NADH dehydrogenase in this complex will donate, take these electrons, give them to coenzyme Q. Coenzyme Q is the mobile carrier. It'll kind of move around the membrane and goes to complex three. Note, you skip complex two, you just go to complex three. Coenzyme Q is carrying the electrons from NADH to complex three, where it's oxidized by complex three, meaning it loses its electrons and the electrons are eventually at complex three gained by cytochrome C. So the enzyme here in complex three is called cytochrome C reductase because it's going to reduce cytochrome C. The other mobile carrier, which means that cytochrome C, once reduced, moves the electrons from complex three to complex four, which contains cytochrome C oxidase, removing the electrons from the mobile carrier cytochrome C, and eventually donating them to oxygen to form water. So that's the flow if you started with NADH. You may have more FADH2. If you have FADH2 in the matrix, you start at complex two. Again, the same thing happens. Coenzyme Q is the carrier between, of the electrons between complex two and three, and the rest of the electron transport steps two and three are the same, okay? So you can start either at one, complex one, or at complex two, depending on what you have as a substrate, NADH or FADH2. Okay. All right, you still with me or time for a nap? Okay. <laughs> okay, we still have a few things. I'm taking my time, but we still have a few things. I'd rather finish them now because tomorrow uh, Dr. Ecolo will be giving the last lecture on this for this block. So I would like to finish everything today. Okay. So here's, here's the big picture. So this white part is the inner mi uh, mitochondrial membrane. Here's the matrix, and here's the intermembranous space. So here's NADH being oxidized at complex one. That means the electrons have been donated to coenzyme Q. Coenzyme Q gives it to Complex three, complex three then gives these electrons to cytochrome C, cytochrome C then moves these electrons to complex four. 
So these two are the mobile electron carriers. Coenzyme Q between either one and two or one, I mean one and three or two and three. But note how each time you this these electrons, you release protons. And because of the impermeable nature of the inner mitochondrial membrane, these protons are trapped in that space between the inner mitochondrial membrane and the outer mem membrane, which would be kind of to the top corner, top uh, right corner of the slide. So what's going to happen with these protons? These protons are actually going to be the driving force for the second part of electron transport chain, which is oxidative phosphorylation. So the last part is, occurs, or oxidative phosphorylation occurs at complex five. So here's Think of the last component of, again, this is still the inner mitochondrial membrane. This is complex five. And as I mentioned to you, it's going to be, have a dual function. It will act as a proton gate, allowing the protons that have accumulated in the intermembrane space in into the matrix. By doing so, it will generate enough energy to allow the synthesis of ATP from ADP and inorganic phosphate. So the dual function of complex five is that it's a proton gate and it is an enzyme that can synthesize ATP synthase that can synthesize ATP from inorganic phosphate and ADP. Okay? This is actually what it's made up of. It's given sometimes the designation F0F1. So complex 5 has three names. Complex 5, F0F1, or ATP synthase. They're all kind of synonymous. But I just want you to see, here's the membrane, here's complex 5. It's allowing the protons to come in. That's the proton gate function. On the matrix side, that's where the enzyme resides, and that's where ATP is synthesized. So one way to think of this is that here are all the protons produced when you move the electrons from the matrix from oxidation of NADH, let's say, along here to oxygen, these protons are allowed, to, are accumulating in the intermembranous space, and the only place they can go through is complex five, because this membrane is impermeable to even the smallest thing like a proton. And you want to think of this a really complex five almost like, uh, or think of these protons like the steam 
from a boiler that drives the steam engine. So when the steam goes into the shaft of the engine, it makes the engine turn over. So really very simple thing, but these protons are produced as a result of electron transport. Okay, so I think I've spent enough time. I hope you get the big picture. But two important things, a couple of important things first. Uh, the first one is complex five is solely responsible for the synthesis of ATP. And it's driven by this protons moving through it. The ATP is produced where? In the matrix. The cell really needs ATP everywhere else. Most of the ATP is probably going to be used in the cytoplasm. Hence, you need to transport that ATP out. And remember, this is a impermeable membrane. So you need a specific transporter, translocator, that will bring that ATP out. So I'll bring, I'll uh, talk about that in a couple of minutes. The second important thing I want you to pay attention to, which is the most, one of the most important thing really to always keep in mind, is here's oxygen. It's the final acceptor. Okay? If you don't have oxygen, no ETC, period. What does that mean? Let's say we don't have oxygen. I mean, hopefully it's only for a short time because otherwise, you know, the subject would be gone. Uh, but if you don't have oxygen, you cannot go through this electron transport chain because it is the acceptor of these electrons. So whatever NADH is produced from pyruvate dehydrogenase or the TCA cycle cannot be oxidized. If you can't oxidize it, the last part will not happen and you don't produce ATP. This is how important that is. This is how important oxygen. This is when we say aerobic process, that's what we mean. That we need the oxygen to oxidize the high energy molecules like NADH and FADH2 that allows complex five to produce ATP. <clears throat> okay? So that's the first thing I want you to always keep in mind that oxygen is extremely important here. 